Welcome back to the program. Father Nagel, would you please lead us in a scripture and a prayer? And uh, yesterday we had the baptism of the Lord, so I think that we can uh, just return to that scripture from Luke 3. After all the people had been baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Gracious Father, we do as your sons and daughters approach you and ask you today that you might bless us, all those who are listening today, Tom, me, that our baptismal graces might bear the fruit that you desired when you created us, um, that you had us in mind from the moment of, again, from the beginning of time. So just bless us, and as we go through and forth into this ordinary time, may it be a time of grace and a year of grace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, it's great to, to be with you in, in here as we're launching into the new year together. I thought it'd be a great chance for me to uh, ask some questions just as you're getting launched into the new year uh, for our listeners. I've spent um, a number of programs in the last week and a half, two weeks, um, encouraging listeners to prayerfully discern not just what they ought to be resolved to do in this new year, time of a New Year's resolutions, but to discern what God is resolved to do in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's just such a striking thing because it makes the reality of God who is so big, the infinite, eternal, triune God, someone who is utterly personal and attentive to each and every individual who's listening to my voice right now, to each of mm-hmm. each of you, the Lord has a personal plan, a purpose. And it's not even just a purpose and a plan for their whole lives, but even as it concerns the year 2022, that this can be a, a period of time that is personally associated by the Lord God from all eternity is associating this moment in time with a particular purpose for their lives. It's kind of a striking idea. And so um, I'm kind of now turning that to you, Father, and saying, as you are entering into this year, are there any practices that you do or even comments that you'd want to make about what I just proposed regarding the idea that the Lord is intending or has a purpose that's that personal for this moment in time in the lives of each person who's listening? Well, I do think it's a striking thought. I think it's something that we should keep keep in mind. The idea of the we sometimes do talk fairly glibly sometimes about personal relationships with Christ, um, and that's that's very important. It's true, but it, that personal relationship means really concretely, as you say, that um, what, what's happening tomorrow, this month, and this this year, um, God does have a plan. And he has a plan for salvation history. He has a plan for the church. He has a plan for this country. He has a plan for all of us, your family, and you and me. Um, there is a plan. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have free will, but that our lives are integrated and they're important. Um, that God, again, it's not like God has extras, um, that we are part of that plan. And so this think of the intentionality of your life or my life and God. Again, God is, is not saying, you know, standing back and just, curious about what you're going to do, um, he says, follow me. Um, the Holy Spirit is here. Um, please pray, listen, um, respond uh, to me because you're very important about what's going to happen now. And I think that, you know, I do think, Tom, I think that people might be a little bit more open to that idea and maybe even think of it themselves, maybe, because I think this is a time when things are shaken. And I do think people are asking the question, what now? What's happening? Um, and so this idea, this, I, I do think people are kind of getting cracked open to the idea of, well, um, this is history. I'm, I'm in something, and I don't know what it is. Um, and so uh, where are we going? Where am I going? What am I supposed to do? But I do think that's a little bit more in the forefront of people's minds these days. So as you say that, Father, it's... Um, it, Obviously, well, I'm going to say obviously, but it would seem like some of that's connected to the shaking or the stripping or the um, the uh, unexpected, unanticipated, undesired changes that are pressing against 
um, a lot of our lives. Sure. Things that are out of the ordinary, and all of a sudden it puts into question or it pressure tests things that we could easily take for granted because of the, the comfort of our own lives. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think that that's probably part of the, well, maybe the most prominent reason why um, all of a sudden at a, at a larger scale, there's all of a sudden the question, does the Lord actually see? D- does he actually know? Does he actually care? Is he actually doing something? I do see that in my pastoral practice, so to speak. Um, just this past week, I had just somebody coming um, to me and kind of with those questions and, and being kind of, sh- as you say, shaken and, 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 and sort of, again, like an earthquake in the sense of the, the ground isn't solid anymore um, idea. And, and as you say, it can, it, there's lots of different pieces to this, whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's the world, all, all the connections of the world, whether it's what's happening in America, the divisions, the church has its own divisions, all, all these sort of things are, are shaking and um, it has people reaching out and sort of questioning. And so I, I do think that that's a big, you know, that's a big piece. That's, I, I, you're right. That's why I'm saying that this is a particular time where um, this question, a lot of people will say, yeah, right, I'm, I am thinking about that. So, the, um, so along this line, um, it, it just ended up happening. I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> That um, as I was praying, Lord, what are you resolved to do in my 2022? What is your will for my 2022? Um, it's at this year, it hasn't just come down to a particular phrase or a scripture. That's been the typical ways that the Lord has worked in in previous years. I've done this practice for about 15 or even 20 years now, just saying, Lord, what are you resolved to do in my in this year of mine? And um, trying to find a, a simple synthesizing way of, of coming up with that. Um, but this year, it has been more pointing me towards um, books. And so one of them is Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. And it's a small book, sort of a traditional book. And it's, um, it, it, it's a book that has um, like led me to um, focus on the reality that... Um, that trusting in the Lord doesn't mean that um, all of a sudden I have perfect clarity or all of a sudden um, everything is just now going to work out because I made the right act of trust. But this idea of trustful surrender to divine providence is in the midst of a lack of clarity, um, in the midst of confusing situations, in the midst of various types of suffering, you know, it can be emotional, spiritual, relational, as well as physical sufferings that reach my life, I still am called upon and am graced to make an act of complete entrustment into the hands of the Lord. Mm. And that's sufficient. Um, and it seems like I didn't plan on that. It, it's like the book came to me. I didn't go seek it out. Um, and it was really cool that it happened to me in two different ways. One mm. was Kerry said, Tom, you've got to read this section. This is really powerful. You should read this on the radio. And it was about trusting the Lord in times of calamity. And it was really powerful. And then I, it happened that like, a couple of days later, I went to confession. And in the confessional, the priest recommended this book to me. He said, you might want to use this book this year and just maybe slowly read it a section at a time. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, I, wasn't that cool? Uh, not cool. Isn't that God? Right. Isn't that providential? So trustful surrender to divine providence, the secret of peace and happiness. Who's but it that doesn't by? mean so it's actually by a it's a co-authored, and one of them is Saint Claude de la Colombière, oh, yeah. a Jesuit, mm-hmm. and one of his fellow Jesuits of the time, Father Jean Baptiste Saint Dieu, Saint Jury. Um, but uh, it you know it's a classic. It's 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 just a short book, seventeenth yes. century. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Now that you've mentioned the authors, yeah, I would say, oh yeah, yeah. At first, I thought you, you were talking about De Cassade or something like this, but but it's um, I, I do. But it's been so long. I, I think I had read decade, probably decades ago. Um, but I, you just made me want to pull it out. Well, it's funny. So did I. Right. It's like it's one of those classic books that probably comes. It comes into your life maybe at the beginning. Or at the seminary. And it's like, you know, something yeah, like in the seminary, right, exactly. And um, all of a sudden now it's back in my life again. Mm-hmm. 
And um, it, it's funny because there's a way in which I can look at that book. And I kind of classify that book with um, the Jean-Pierre de Cassade's book on the practice of um, the sacrament of the present moment. Yeah. And what, what's the name of that one? Uh, Divine Providence. I I no, I, I think it might have. I don't know if the book is called the Sacrament of the Present Moment, but uh, that's what I think of it. That that, and then the other one's the practice of the presence of God. Because yeah. I'm I'm Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Right. It's like you know those those kind of books flow together. It's kind of the like uniformity with God's will. Yes, uh, Saint Alphonsus de Liguori. Those books all sort of play that same kind of role in that in that time period, in that sort of hundred hundred fifty year period of times those shorter books of, of reflections that lay out some really foundational topics for living our life of faith. But um, I think there's a way in which I wanted to go beyond them. Like, oh, I'm not, I, you know, I've read them. They're part of the classics. But it, it's now I'm being brought back to them. It's like, no, you don't, these, these aren't just basic. They're foundational. Well, you got to get the foundations right. I, it is interesting that, that you have to read the, you can read the same book different times and it'll have a different effect upon you. Um, you know, again, I read this 20, 30 years ago, uh, but I am interested now in reading it again because, I, you know, I'm different. Um, and so God has a different plan. And so what, what may not have struck you too powerfully back in seminary now suddenly could be something that says, you know, this is the time for the book. Um, before that was interesting. Now it's really vital. And because again, my situation's changed. I've changed. God's plan for me is there, and and so I agree that it, it, these bear rereading um, because they are going to be new and and powerful in a different way for you. So you know what's funny is uh, I just did a quick look um, uh, for uh, Jean Pierre de Cassade's books. And one is on abandonment to divine providence, yes, abandoned and the other one is the sacrament of the present moment. It, oh. it, it's uh, the sacrament of the present moment is the other title for the same book. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so look at that. We're both right, Father. Huh? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, so that that's just sort of a, a quick introduction to me to the to that sense of saying that there is a way in which in this in this present moment there's a call back to. Um, Trust and 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 trustment as the deepest form of trust to place oneself completely in the hands of the Lord, but that that can be simultaneously the experience of peace and suffering, confusion, mm-hmm. difficulties, trials, and I think that's the part that is the hardest one to reconcile with maybe the life that many of us have been um, permitted to live when circumstances around us were much more comfortable. Right. And now it's not, and we want, we want to pro- change and, and solve the problem and get back to comfort. Um, and that's what we're looking for, but that may not be what God has in mind. And so he wants us to just trust him in the midst of, in the, midst of the storm. And um, so I, I agree that, that the idea of, boy, you know, we've lived a pretty comfortable life for a long time. Um, now, when I say we, I mean, you know, middle-class Americans like me um, here in the Northwest, and, and Catholics too, you know, Catholics in the Northwest. But it's been pretty comfortable, um, and it may not be so soon. And so, again, how do, you, how do you remain your tranquility in the midst of that? Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, we made the move here about two and a half years ago, and we did so because of personal sufferings and trials that we were mm. experiencing in our own family and there's a way in which God was very merciful to us because those trials dislodged us into a whole different way of seeing our lives and what the Lord was asking from us. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of like, um, I think a lot of folks who maybe experienced personal trials are now part of experiencing a, a more widespread social trial that mm-hmm. sort of touching everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, we certainly didn't want the trial and in the midst of it, it wasn't like, um, oh, God's bringing us peace in the midst of this trial. No, it was tremendous personal suffering while we were in the midst of the, the trials as well. Um, and, and so that idea of continuing to make those abandonment to divine providence, the, the entrustment to the, to the Lord who has not let us down, it, it was, it was in, in some ways, it's still, we come back around to it. It touches us in, in 
deep places as um, as a, a very difficult thing to do, uh, to, to trust the Lord in the midst of situations that I, we didn't see and, and don't see the final outcome clearly. I I didn't realize it was two and a half years already. Um, I guess yeah, that, isn't that, that crazy? Me. I said, well, it's been two and a half years. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, Father, we're up against a break. When we come back, um, I want to ask you, uh, have you... Uh, have you had any type of sort of reflection upon what this year, um, maybe again, maybe it's a personal New Year's resolution. Maybe it's a sense of what God is doing at work in and through you right now. Love to hear any sense of update around that. And then I've got, I've got, um, I've got three books opened here. Oh, <laughs> with, with we quotes. should be able to get all three of them done because that's our MO. <laughs> Thanks, Father. Appreciate that. Very humbling of you. Humbling to me. All right. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm with Father Kurt Nagel, and we're reflecting, and I'm asking Father for some of his own thoughts about the beginning of this new year, and um, sort of what what what's your sense about what God's doing in and through you, or in your life, or around you right now. And so, Father, I, I just uh, shared with you some initial thoughts about things that I've been wrestling with and sensing of what God's doing. What about you? What about your life? What what's how are you approaching this new year? You know, I. I, I don't really make New Year resolutions per se. That's not really been one of my uh, habits. I know that many people do. I do usually make some resolutions for Advent, but they're they're not necessarily year-long, sort of the 2022 things. But I do think that in terms of, you know, movements in, in spiritual life um, and, and what the immediate future, and that's more or less kind of like a year, uh, you know, that, that kind of time frame. I could, a couple things have kind of cropped up, and I don't think this is... I don't think it's just about me. I think this could probably be for others, but for me, um, one of the topics is Christian education. I don't mean Catholic education. Uh, for me, is um, yeah, I think we're in the midst of a crisis of Catholic education that's going to go in different directions, and there's going to be split ups, and 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 just I think it's a, a time of crisis in both good and bad ways um, in terms of that, and it's I just see that in terms of uh, Catholic parents. I think this is a, an issue that's coming forward uh, for people, concern about um, how do they raise their children. I mean, this isn't something you've never talked about, Tom, or anything. Obviously, this is not new. But I do think that this is something that I'm seeing, even in my own parish, in terms of something that should be forefront uh, in terms of uh, you know, innovation, vision, um, energy. The other thing I think is, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You know, other people can move and they can do things, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a priest in Western Washington. I mean, that's, that's you know, I, they might change parishes and stuff, but, but basically I'm not going anyplace else. This is, this is where God's put me. So um, that's not, off, that's not, not on, the, on the docket, so to speak. But it, so I, I really do sort of think like, as you say, there's things that I can't change. There's big things that I, you know, I'm a little mouse and the big elephants are doing things above me. But, I do think, so what it's led me back to more today uh, in terms of this immediate future, say, you know, I had to go back to the basics of just my own personal holiness uh, in terms of my own relationship with God it has to go deeper and um, it has to be sanctified because that's, that's what I can do. That's the most important thing I can do um, in terms of being pastor. Um, you know, you can do programs, you can do all these sort of other things, but um, I just can't get knocked off my feet and start going down um, little rabbit holes of worry and anxiety and stuff because I just have to be the, you know, again, um, let Christ shine through me. And so the term, looking at individual uh, opportunities for charity and for uh, carrying crosses and, and just uh, that really basic personal day-to-day basic. So this is the idea of, again, the, the, uh, the present moment uh, the divine providence, all that's, I think, saying, though, I have to just l- concentrate on on my own relationship with Christ, that it's deep and holy. Um, others, I, well, that, that's the best I can do for things. I mean, I, again, I'm not, I'm not the big decision makers. I'm not going to change history other than by my relationship with Jesus. So don't forget that. Don't get too worried that that comes to be part of the back burner. So just first things first is my own relationship with Christ. And that, I guess, is something that I kind of got drawn to, to say, I don't want to get swept away in, in too much um, worry and anxiety. 
I, I just need to stay close to the, the basics. So that's, that's been on my mind too. So uh, I love both of those um, points. And one of my quotes, um, or one of the books I'm holding in my hand has several quotes in it. Um, but a lot of that is actually circling around the theme of personal holiness. So I want to dig further into your reflections about um, education and just the formation and education uh, in Catholic schools. Uh, but also I want to dig into the theme of personal holiness. And so um, which one would you want to explore more fully first? Um, I'm going to leave that to you. I mean, you, you, you tell me where you want to go. You have the three okay. books. Well, I've got the book sitting in front of me here, and um, this is um, this is a book by Hans Urs von Balthasar. Ah, who would have uh, guessed? <laughs> and it, it's one of his more popular ones called Theodrama, Theological Dramatic Theory, Volume 4, The Action. <laughs> who, who hasn't read that one? <laughs> yeah, it's only 500 pages long, and... It's really it's a quick a read, too, isn't it? As I, as I recall, it's from <laughs> von Balthasar. It's really a page-turner, kind of a beach book. <laughs> <laughs> popcorn. It's popcorn <laughs> reading. Kind of fast food, right? All right. So I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read something here, and this uh, th there's two sections in here. Both of them are very powerful. Um, I'll start with one, um, and this is where it's, he's building off of a quote. It's about the communion of saints, and he quotes, believe it or not, Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica. I won't read the Latin, but the translation is this: that the one who lives in love shares in all the good that is done in the world. This, how deep does our communion with other people's lives go? The one who lives in love shares in all the good that is done in the world. And then he goes on to talk about this in relationship to the idea that you, Father, and each of us who are members of the body of Christ, share in Christ's life who lived for others, that he lived and died for the sake of others. And here's the quote, and I'm going to read it, and then you can just kind of comment on it. He said, it's worth dwelling for a moment on this aspect of living for others, for the hidden dramatic dimensions are truly profound. He says, the explanation of the article given in the Roman Catechism may prove helpful. Here, the unity of the faithful in the Holy Spirit is interpreted primarily as a communion in the sacraments. But in such a way that anyone who receives a sacrament receives a good that is common to all, the fruit of which belongs to all the faithful. And then he quotes the catechism. For whatever is received by one person with a pious and holy disposition refers to all people and is of benefit to all people through the love that does not seek its own. A genuine Christian possesses nothing that he cannot regard as shared with all others. Uh, again, I think that goes back to, it articulates in a way, I sure you didn't, and probably most of us can't, but the idea that seeking God in my own life in a radical way is not selfish or self-centered. It's the best thing I can do for everybody else. Um, and that's true. And this is something I, I, I'm always I'm preaching about to parents and spouses and all, and all of us and pastors who are so busy with a million things and say, I can't, I don't have time for this relationship with Christ. I don't have time to, or energy to, to, to dedicate it to it because I have these other important relationships that that would take away from. And as opposed to saying, no, you know, when, I, when I'm truly radically living out uh, charity, and the cross in my own life for and with Jesus, then this is the best thing I can do for everybody else. And not just those the people that I know. It, I do change the world in that way. Um, this, is, this is the way Jesus wants me to change the world. It's not going to be because I'm going to lead, an, um, you know, again, some sort of protest or I'm going to form a new community or I'm going to do whatever. Um, insofar as I become more Jesus, the body of Christ is becoming more Jesus. And that's our purpose, and that's the good, and so that's number one. And so it's not taking away, it's supporting the foundation that you would say, it's the beginning, the root of everything. So get to it. So I guess that, that would be my take on that, that passage. Well, and it's like, um, 
I've recovered this spirituality of receiving communion on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt a conviction last summer to go to daily mass and I was just so comfortable with my rationalizations on why I could miss daily mass mm. because I'm so busy. And again, these were just all excuses that if it was, if, if going to mass was really that important to me, I could organize my day around that action. Right. I could do it. And it's just a matter of would I do it? And as I started to say, I'm going to live out this conviction it, it meant a bit of organization, a bit of changing around my schedule, a bit of saying, no, I, I won't commit to that. I won't agree to that because it's going to crowd out my ability to go to mass this day. But the second thing that it did was this, is that I became more aware of the gift that was being given to me that going to being able to go to daily mass wasn't even about me, right. but it was, wait a minute. I could be going to Mass and receive communion for the sake of others, on behalf of others, in the place of others. And, and that became part of the, the driving force. It wasn't simply, it wasn't simply and only, I'm honoring something that I believe God is asking of me, and He's the Lord, and therefore I'm going to follow Him. But also, the Lord is saying, look, you do realize that in, in honoring me, I'm going to be opening up like a, a flood of graces, a waterfall of graces that will flow to others mm-hmm. if you realize that you're doing this for their sake. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I better get to Mass, and I better be, I better be holy. I better be holy in my dispositions and in how I'm present at Mass, because I'm here to receive on behalf of those who do not have either the willingness or the ability or the awareness that... Going to Mass ought to be a thing for them. Right, you're feeding them spiritually in that sense. I think that, you know, what you just said, I think it's said very well, and it's probably pretty powerful for those who are listening. And I was thinking about what was it that you were, when you were giving your excuses and rationalizations of why not to go to daily Mass, they probably weren't horrible things. They were probably some good things. Again, that was my previous comment, is that, but those, as good as they are, they're not. You're going to lose nothing to that if you do reorganize your life and uh, go deeper in communion with the body of Christ um, through the sacrament of the Eucharist, in particular in that that case. But you, you're not losing. Nobody's losing anything uh, by this. Um, you're gaining. Everybody's gaining, and, and so it was a rationalization. And again, it's really, the really tricky thing is that there. It's it's easy to rationalize because what you're you're putting in the place of the mass is not bad. It's usually probably pretty good, but it's not. They're not equal. I think that for priests, what you just mentioned that I think for priests, in some ways, it's a little easier because there is literally the whole idea of offering masses for intentions. And so, rather than receiving Eucharist, although it's part of it, let's let's take about talk about priests celebrating mass every day. Um, I've never really understood. So this is I'm I'm not. I'm not, um, this isn't bragging or something or flexing. It's, it's, I've never understood, though, priests who don't celebrate Mass every day. I, I, I honestly say, you know, why, what possible excuse, other than, again, there's physical impossibility sometimes when, you know, um, who knows, um, you're stuck on a plane in the middle of a snowstorm. I don't know what it is, but um, sometimes it's impossible. But why would you not celebrate the Eucharist? Um, for, because, as you say, as receiving communion, so offering the Mass, this is for everybody. Um, it's, it's helping everybody. And there's even less excuse because that theology is more in our mind probably than for the laity of receiving communion for other people. We offer Mass all the time for the church and other people. Why would we not do this reverently every day? So I, I, I hear you of what you're saying, and I, I think lay people can take that same principle, that same reality, in terms of receiving the Eucharist every day. So, you know, Father, let's, let's keep running with this, because um, so we're, we're recording this on a first Friday, last Friday morning, and my son, John Mark, on Thursday night, um, we did our family rosary, and uh, he said, Dad, uh, it's tomorrow's first Friday. I won't be able to go to the 5.30 Mass in the evening because of a basketball game. And I'm like, well, um, let's figure this out. And sure enough, there was a seven in the morning mass. 
And he was like, I, I can go. Let's do that. I was going to be able to get to Mass at a time that wasn't that early. Um, but if he, he was like, I'm willing to sacrifice, get up early, do what I need to do so that I can get to Mass at 7 a.m., um, which, you know, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I think rightly proud of that, that he's yeah. willing to, to say, I'm going to do that. He's a 16-year-old young man. Um, and so we went to Mass, and the sadness was he was the youngest person there, and I was the second youngest person there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was bad weather, right? So that, that's part of it. But I, you know, it was Father Lewis who was um, presiding. And um, I just, uh, I was wondering, I'm like, here's a man who has said yes with, with his, literally his whole life and the totality of how it is he's going to live his life at the service of the Lord. And I had this sort of like mixed feeling because on the one hand, I have such a sense of reverence for the priesthood and the privilege of being a priest who has this call to bring Jesus Christ to be physically present in a redeeming way in the world through the sacraments and to bring the life of God into into this world. And it's just like, who else has like that gift of being able to do that and make that difference in the world? But on the other hand, it's like, is there a call today that has less appreciation that among the people who should be appreciating it? by the very fact of voting with their lives and not showing up at mass. I'm like, come on now, guys, let's, let's up our game here. What is it about us Catholics today that we are, like, don't appreciate what the mass is to such an extent that there were 10 people at mass and I was the second youngest? That, is that a discouragement to priests? Is that, and I was just wondering, like, is Father Lewis discouraged when he looks out and just sees 10 of us and um, and, and I'm the second youngest person there, or is it like I need to up my game and, and just, you know, press forward? You know, I, I think it's—I I don't guess I don't get depressed. I, I, it's, I find it challenging, for instance, say, okay, how can, how can that get better? Um, what needs to happen? And from my end, is that uh, people will realize this more and there'll be a deeper conversion. Um, I think— I think it depends. I think that some people can, but I, but again, that goes back to a faith question for the priest too. I mean, um, is this about who are you doing this for? And how you know you, you do everything you can to invite and to make it possible. The, the fact that he's offering at seven seven a.m. is a pretty good uh, indication that he's sacrificing for people. And he, he, that very offering the mass at these multiple times and when it's possible. He's he's putting he's kind of saying I'm doing my part here at least I'm 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 doing what I can to invite you just by the fact I'm making it available, but ultimately I I think of my people I I'm on for for the convert in the sense of offering preaching uh, offering mass preaching about it um, getting holier myself again when I talk about that 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 whole idea of my relationship with Christ I do think that this has an impact upon one's sheep, one's flock. Um, and so I, I, I guess I, I just see the challenge for, for myself saying, okay, you know what? Um, there are lots of people going to daily mass at, at ours eventually. Um, what's the difference between ours and Mercer Island? I think mostly it's probably the pastor. Um, you know, so that's the way I would look at it. But I, I, I think it's possible to be discouraged and say, well, the numbers aren't there, so I'm going to cancel and drop out. Well, and you said ours just now. I don't think folks knew what you meant. Well, curé de ours, you know, in, in France, uh, Jean, uh, Jean Vianney, uh, patron saint of parish priests, you know, it's a teeny little town of 200 people, you know. Um, now, and I, and I am not Jean Vianney, but he had a packed church um, because of who the pastor was. Um, in, in a sense of people could see, hey, this is a person who really is. I can see Jesus here. Um, and so... I would just say, you know... Father, I think you should just take his, like, the collected sermons and just start reading one after the I'm other. I'm not sure that's going to work. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's the voice more than the words. So I, I, I don't, I've read his homilies. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, that wasn't... I'm just teasing, because those homilies were... Uh, <laughs> they were, were not... Those were not fluffy. <laughs> no, those were uh, fire and brimstone. And, and they were long, and they weren't, you know... They were early 19th century homilies, so... Um, but anyway, all I'm saying is, I you know that's the priest issue in terms. 
I think if I was you, if I were you and I was coming to that mass and I was looking around and seeing mostly old people, I'd say, yeah, there's a problem. But what can I do about this? In the sense of you, you, you're, you showed up. You're, what you're doing is you're there, and you're receiving communion on, on behalf of the the, uh, the, uh, the body of Christ, and you're you're working on your faith, etc. And not to that's the problem with you know the danger is discouragement. That's why I, I was saying in my own yearly annual question about personal holiness is that it, the the danger is well it's it's what's the use, and as opposed to well what I what do I do become a saint. Yeah, amen to that. Well, Father, it's a great place to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to um, actually read a quote from Leon Blois, who is probably best known for that quote, that the only real sadness is not being a saint. Um, but we'll do that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernan with Father Kurt Nagel. And just reflecting on the beginning of this new year and asking Father for his own thoughts and reflections about what's the Lord doing and what's his sense about what is the Lord asking of him and what's the Lord up to in the church's life right now uh, in as we enter 2022. So Father, you, you mentioned uh, the, the call to be a saint and the, that Leon Bullock quote, the only real mm-hmm. sadness is not being a saint. Well, lo and behold, uh, in this book by von Balthasar, he quotes Leon Bullock about this theme of the communion of saints and the ability we have to influence and impact each other and the extent of that in God's providential care for the world. And so, listen to this really, really powerful quote from Léon Blois. He says this, that a particular movement of grace that saves me from some profound danger can have come from the loving act, yesterday, tomorrow, or 500 years ago, of an entirely unknown person, whose soul stood in a mysterious relationship to mine and which thus found its reward. Let me say that again. A particular movement of grace that saves me from some profound danger can have come from the loving act yesterday, tomorrow, or 500 years ago of an entirely unknown person whose soul stood in a mysterious relationship to mine and which has thus found its reward. What do you think about that? I what comes to my mind just in listening to that. First of all, is the the body of Christ extends not only in space but in time, and so it's not just like I'm doing. I, I'm living out communion uh, for my family right now, or my friends, or the church now in 2022, or the United States, whatever it is. Um, and it's not just like I'm, I'm looking, uh, you know, into the current situation, or even that the the immediate past, uh, the people I've known. But I do think that I've done some of this sometimes. Practice of the uh, offering indulgences or, or offering prayers or masses for people I've met, you know, again centuries ago, uh, people that I read about or. You know, again, have read a biography or just some somehow came across them, and, and I think there's a tendency to think, well, well, their story's done. They're even in hell, heaven and hell by now. It's sort of in, locked into time here, and so I don't have to worry about the past right now. Uh, but I would say, you know what? If there's somebody that you are attracted to from the past, um, maybe it's an author you loved in the 18th century or the 20th, 19th century or something like that, or somebody, you can pray for them. Um, you can, you can again. They're real. They're real people. They, they, they still have this. And just because you're offering their prayers now, and they died a long time ago, time is funny like that. You know, again, the prayers can go any time forward or, or past. Similarly, you can offer these things for few, you know, grandchildren that you don't have yet. I mean, again, the, I think this is the idea of the, the the body of Christ extending over time. Is an important one, so it gets out of like this is a physical. It's, it has to be somebody I know right now. It's somebody I, I, I've, I've I've seen face to face. That I am being impacted by past saints and future saints as they are by me, and so I do think there's that. It, it feeds into the idea of um, we're we're all one body. I can't see them all, but we we're connected, um, and so the whole human race is a brother and sister to me. And, and, you know, it's like uh, that, uh, like taking that in a, like a purely like rationalistic or right. 
uh, logical like attempt to control or master it gets us in trouble. Right. Uh, I rather like look at it from the standpoint of a like an inspiring insight to realize the richness um, and the elegance of how God is bringing everything together um, as this divine, um, you know, director um, uh, with his providential care. And in I can feel an inspiration to pray for St. Francis of Assisi, for his conversion, right? If, if the mm-hmm. Lord prompts me to do so without trying to get kind of weirdly magical about it. And how does say, that well, work exactly, you know? You don't, have right. to, you don't have to say, you know, how does that exactly work? Yes. Yeah, just sort of allowing yourself to be caught up into the flow of it and just saying, wow. Um, I, I find that, like, where I found the most inspiration in that was um, in the encyclical of Pius XI on the Sacred Heart and how Jesus, uh, undergoing the agony of the garden, is aware of our loving acts of um, prayer to, for him right. to be consoled, that we join the place of the angel in consoling him, right. just as we join in the place of bringing about the darkness and suffering through our sin. Um, it's like, yeah, we're aware of the second one, but boy, are we aware of the first one. Uh, and just how, how inspiring that can be, just how encouraging that can be. So, um, and you know, it's like, that for me also connects us to the idea of the saints' writings. So I mentioned, right. uh, I mentioned um, the, the book on trustful surrender to divine providence, but the other book that is just humbling me, and really to the point of like weeping, is The Ascent of Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. um, St. John of the Cross. Uh, I just, I'm so humbled as I read this book. Um, I, I, I'm not even through the first few chapters um, but I, I, it's one of those books, again, I had read it years ago, decades ago. It's all marked up. Now I'm back reading it again. And I'm just like, how did I ever get beyond this book? I, I haven't. I've never gotten beyond it. Hmm. It's like, and, and I realize how humbling it is to read it because it just makes me, it exposes me to the reality that I'm such a beginner <laughs> um, rather than a proficient, to use his language. It's a providential. It's interesting. I'm reading the book, the same book right now. Oh really? Yeah, it's in the Mount How did Carmel. that happen? Well, God wants God wants us to do those these things and uh, responding so to grace. Awesome. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you can just, they bear repeating uh, these these books bear repeating. But Saint Mount Carmel, it really is a it's, it's the about the active nights mostly. You know, it's 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 detaching ourselves, and it is humbling. You, you think I'm doing a pretty good job here, you know? And I'm look, I'm I'm saying that in terms of looking around at the the human race that's next to me, you know, and I think, I'm doing pretty good here. And then I read John the Cross and say, are you kidding me? I've, I've scratched the surface of my chains and my connections and attachments and everything like that. It's, and at the same time thinking, yeah, I have already started, but you know what? He's, he's right. I got to get going. Um, I, I have to change. Um, I, I have to, I have to, I'm, I need liberation here. Um, and so I do find it, it's always a, it's a great book to begin a year with saying, okay, um, if you, if you need some resolutions, I guess it's a pretty good one to, to, um, sort of spark some ideas. Well, and it's, uh, and the interesting thing is in the very, very beginning of the, you know, at the very beginning of the prologue, he says, look, the, the whole goal here is to propose doctrine and counsel for beginners and proficients. They may understand or at least know how to practice abandonment to God's guidance when he wants them to advance. And just even that simple but profound statement that this idea of abandonment to God's guidance is all about the fact that the Lord wants us to go deeper. Oh, yeah, he wants us to go deeper into union with him. That And there's the theme of holiness again. And so it's, it's just all coming together. Um, okay, we're up against our last break, Father. When we come back, I want to um, bring all of this together to say, um, as you're entering back into the reading of the Ascent of Mount Carmel, is there any sense of St. John of the Cross, like uh, that sense of communion of the saints, that he's involved in this as well? Just love to get your sense on that and other things in a minute on Sound Insight. 
Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with Father Kurt Nagel, and we're reflecting on the beginning of the new year, and lo and behold, another lo and behold. Yes. How many lows and holds am I going to have today? But both of us have been drawn to the ascent of Mount Carmel by St. John of the Cross. And I, I guess I want to ask, as when you hear something like that, do you feel like there's like a twinkle in the eye of St. John of the Cross in heaven to speak very anthropo- anthropologically here? <laughs> Uh, that uh, anthropomorphically, that somehow John of the Cross has a smile on his face, saying, I- "I'm still at work in this uh, in this moment in history, and I'm and I'm part of uh, the work of the Lord to stir in these two souls the the reading of this book." Uh, certainly, I think he's active participant, uh, and not just as us. I I think he's very much active, um, and and so I, I think he's very busy. Uh, in in terms of that, he's he's all over the place. Not just you and me, Tom. But I think uh, that again, he's a he's a doctor of the church. He's a perennial in the body of Christ. He's 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 this huge figure in terms of drawing close to holiness in the relationship with Christ. So, yeah, he's saying, of course, guys, come on, get with it. Well, and it and it's interesting, and I say that of course not just the two of us, but right. to make it personal again, right? Instead yeah. of just saying here are writings that are left behind, it's sort of a yeah. an artifact or uh, <laughs> or a legacy kind of document. I, you know, I definitely I I, 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 I and I do I do see him as an inter- intercessor and a person who, with whom I pray. He again, you know, before the Carmelite saints are. Um, are, are some of the important people in my life. So um, he is a regular intercessor for me. So in that sense, um, th- there's this personal connection, certainly. Okay, hey, we're going to do something live here, Father. This is a, I, I just got inspired, okay? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Ron is there with you listening in, but there is, he can do this on his phone. Um, there's a, a website uh, by Jen Fulweiler called Saints namegenerator.com saintsnamegenerator.com I don't know if you've heard of this, Father. No, I I have not heard of that. Okay, so this is really cool. So saintsnamegenerator.com is based on the idea that have a saint chosen for you, this says at random, but I want to say providentially, (laughs) Uh that the Lord has a saint for you in 2022 and so we did this uh, as a family. Oh. Um, and so I, we prayed and said, Lord, give me a saint. Who's the saint that you want to have accompany me this year? And so we went around, and um, I got St. George. Oh, and good one. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, talk about it's a battle, yeah. right? Um, be willing to be a martyr uh-huh. and fight the enemies that are coming against the people the that make them feel terrorized, right? The dragon. And it's like spiritual warfare, let's go. So it just has been, that's like, wow, what a great, I wouldn't have picked St. George, but I felt like St. George is picked for me. Yeah, providential. And um, it's been neat because each of my kids ended up with the saint. And and for many of them, not all of them, there was a kind of a quick and easy connection to say, yeah, that that makes sense. So Father, uh, I don't know if Ron, Ron has the ability. Ron is not around. No, I'm Ron sorry. is not around. So, okay. Well, how about this? Do you want to say a prayer? Because I can click on it right here sure, and tell I'm, you I'm which saint. Go for it. Okay, I'm so ready for it. So you say your little prayer, and then I'm going to right. click find a saint for Father Nagel. Okay. Uh huh. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right, Lord Jesus, give us who's the saint for Father Nagel. Click find a saint for me and Saint Mark the Evangelist. Mark the Lion. Yes. There we go. So. We want to hear his patronages. Yeah, <laughs> you said, okay, he's, patronage symbols against the lion. his symbols. The lion, and he is a patron saint of lions. Interestingly, um, so his patronage is against impenitence, against insect bites. Ooh, that's a good one. A, yeah, against I don't know what this is even scrofulous diseases. It's kind of like against, skin diseases. Okay, against struma, whatever that is. Uh, and the patron of attorneys, barristers, captives, glaziers, lions, notaries, prisoners, stained glass workers, and Egypt. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see, see what, uh, yeah. what, what St. Mark see, has Let's for you. see what St. Mark shows up this year. Yeah. I have not really had a personal relationship with him before. You know, I've never seen him as my intercessor or anything like that. So now, now I'm, I'm – you know how, how sometimes – Something like this happens, and suddenly you say, hey, St. Mark's all around here. I run into nice. him all the time, so we'll see. Well, wasn't St. Mark today's gospel? 
uh, of the um, the healing of the the leper on this first Friday? I think it was Luke, wasn't it? Luke's version? Was it Luke? If it was Luke's version, I, I, was, I was wondering about that because it sounded an awful lot like Mark's, but it, it could be it could have been Luke's. I was like, wait I think a minute, it was Luke is that five Mark or Luke? Or, okay. or four. Well, if it was Luke five, it was also Mark one, forty to forty five is the one that I, I love. So um, with the animals. But okay, so we'll see how Mar- Saint Mark shows up okay. for you yep. this year. All right. That that's awesome. Well, and he is uh, he is one of the evangelists, so there you go, proclaiming the gospel. Amen. Well, Father, we just have a minute left. Uh, would you offer us a sort of a word of encouragement for folks who are entering into this year and maybe feeling a, a challenge with the idea of trustful surrender to divine providence or the willingness to practice abandonment to God's guidance? I guess one thing I'd say is this is the year of the Lord, 2022. Um, that the, the Jesus is the Lord of history. He's the Lord of this year. He's the, he, he is king and he is the lion. Um, and so this idea of, I think... I think this whole t- the time we're in is one in which we're filled with fears around us, and and part of the challenge is to manage our fear. and And I think that the idea of turning to Christ in terms of personal renewing, like John the Cross would say too here, personally renewing the relationship with Christ. This is the answer to whatever fear it happens to be most prominently in your life, um, whether it's again whether it's disease or health, whether it's death, whether it's who knows what it is? Um, but again, the, this is the Lord's year, and and He has a place for you, and it's a good place because He's designed it for you, and He loves you, and you're His child. That's what I would say to everybody out there: say, don't be afraid. Uh, manage your fear with Christ alongside you. Amen. And my last point would be this: that at the very beginning of the ascent of Mount Carmel, when Saint John of the Cross talks about um, the reasons why folks don't advance in the spiritual life. Yeah, that's depressing. One of the biggest ones is they don't receive guidance. Yeah. They don't have um, solid spiritual directors to help them understand what it is that's happening in their spiritual lives. And as a result of that, they don't advance, so they advance far more slowly with much more difficulty than they otherwise would have had they been able to access um, uh, greater spiritual guidance. And so trust in the communion of saints uh seek a uh, see or uh, discover who it is that the lord has for you as a saint um waiting uh to accompany you this year in he- uh, from heaven uh and trust that the lord has uh, many saints uh ready to go and um who are actively interceding for you so there we go well father nagel thanks for walking with me through this program i do appreciate it very much and join me tomorrow for more sound insight god bless your day